Welcome to Gu Dao Jingxing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into Taoist thought to uncover its timeless wisdom and talk about ways to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm Ian Felton, a practicing psychotherapist, and I'm joined by David Wong, an executive coach. Good morning, David. Good morning, Ian. How are things in your neck of the woods today? Uh, it's nice and sunny, and uh, I, you know, uh, I'm uh, enjoying a cup of tea here and looking forward to our conversation today. Great. Yeah, we're going to get back in our rotation of discussing the chapters. And so today we're on chapter four and wondering if you would like to start off today's discussion by reading chapter four in Chinese. Sure. Dao Chong. Er Yong Zhi Huo Bu Ying Yuan Xi Si Wan Wu Zhi Zong Cho Qi Rei Jie Qi Fen He Qi Guang Tong Qi Chen Zhan Xi Si Huo Chun Wu Bu Zhi Shei Zhi Zi Xiang Di Zhi Xian Thank you for that. Sure. And this this chapter is pretty brief and looking at, at some of the history of it, I know there is even some question as to whether parts of this chapter kind of got maybe mixed up at some point in time and added. Yes. And there's one, one particular um, source, ancient source. I think it's the, um, I forget which which version is, but it doesn't even have right. this um, in, in it. So, um, regardless, we're going to talk about it as if it matters. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. So the translation for this one, I'm translating it as if all of the lines are are there in the common um, translation, the one that David just read and and even the translation is a bit debatable with this so this is one i've read a lot of different translations and kind of took my own pass at it dao is empty but its use is never exhausted profound the ancestor of all it rounds its edges unravels its knots softens its brightness and sees itself like dust. Deep and appearing eternal, I don't know whose son it is. It is from before the gods. So one of these really cerebral verses from Lao Tzu. It does, it's, it's very abstract. He's speaking very much at a meta level really just trying to give us a sense of still what it feels like to really see and experience Tao. And so I think what's critical is that it's really our perception of life in the modern world that kind of gets in the way 
of us seeing Dow this way? Is there, what's your reaction to that? How do you think Lao Tzu maybe experienced life in a way that he could really be in this state of being where even though the world hasn't changed, Tao hasn't changed, but he seemed to experience life in a profoundly different way. Yeah, I, I think um, our modern world seemed to give a lot of emphasis on doing and performance, the external, you know, all the um, measured things, I would say. Mm -hmm. While he uh, talking about Tao is more like a being. It's very mm -hmm. deep. Uh, it's not conditioned. It's it's um, mm -hmm. there's a spaciousness in Tao. So that's the biggest uh, difference I can I can see. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense that if your mind is constantly running from one plan to the next, or one appointment to the next on your calendar, or what yeah. the next. TV program is and and recognizing that and this is kind of like it pains me to say but like so many people live their entire lives that way yeah 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 I think there's a uh a phrase I, I, I guess like the, there's a word FOMO like a fear of missing out so there's no moment you know we're afraid uh, to be disconnected from the rest of the world. And, you know, I, I think for that kind of anxiety, but at the mm -hmm. same time, I, I think we hate and, uh, you know, that kind of a noisiness. So it's, it's a kind of an interesting irony. Like you're afraid of being quiet, but also you're tired of the noisiness. Yeah, it's. I, I think that's a um, a profound way of putting it, and I think it speaks to in in this Taoist mindset where you do have to kind of let go of all that conditioning. Yeah, but that we do find ourselves living in a paradoxical world. Yeah, we find ourselves living in a world where yes we're 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 tired of a conditioned existence but freedom also feels very lone lonely and isolating and alienating yeah yeah and and we we want that quietness but also at the same time, that quietness can feel so overwhelming that we want to rush back into just like talking with someone or um, anything to kind of put our minds back in that mundane state of existence where this agreed upon world that we all say that we live in Mm -hmm. We, we, we make believe that it's the real one. Um, 
and we kind of get stuck in these paradoxes and that there's no real way out of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and so in this chapter, Lao Tzu, with his typical way of playing with dialectics, and so just to put a bit of a definition around dialectics, I'm not reading out of the dictionary, but essentially it's just how in Taoism every, everything, there's not good and bad, there's not either or, there's both and, there's things on a continuum, and... The context always matters, but we're talking about these dialectics in in this chapter, and Lao Tzu is going to get into how Tao operates on all ends of the spectrum and everything in between, and and the the impact that that has. So I wonder if we could talk about some of these key concepts in in this chapter and the first one and we can talk about other translations of it too but i'm just i'm just going to read um the translation that i read today but the the first one is that Tao rounds its its edges yep and wonder if we can just talk about that one for for a little bit like kind of like what what does that mean why does Tao care about that? And then how do we see that in our, in our lives? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, in a lot of the, like other Tao texts, it's always amazes me, uh, that meanings are ambiguous. You know, you can, it's kind of open to multiple interpretations. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's frustrating because you cannot pinpoint exactly what's meant there. But at the same time, you know, because of that ambiguity, it engages your imagination more. Mm -hmm. Take take this, for example, like uh, like, uh, you know, dull the the, uh, sharpness or blunt the sharpness. I mean, the first image that comes to mind is, of course, the knife or sword or axe mm-hmm. you know like um, uh, instruments like that uh which have you know very thin uh cutting edge or, or fine point mm-hmm. um i think to a great extent they all serve you know fulfill a function or serve a purpose and they can be helpful but when you know that kind of sharpness is excessive it does do harm both to other people you know to to uh, oneself as well as to other people so that's the 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 original meaning like when you say ray ray is that sharpness that is mm-hmm. associated with those you know knives or swords it really alludes to how important relationships are as how everything relates to each other and that when you're talking about all these objects right and their function their their function is to separate to to right split things and the thing that when you're talking about all those instruments and i thought about yes it really is alluding to how dao 
wants to harmonize things and, and, and show that there is a relationship between everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one aspect of it. Uh, as you know, that's the kind of the external, how that instrument is related to other things, the, the, the context or surround surrounding objects. Uh, the other thing I see is the function itself. Uh, you know, for example, you know, let, let's say in human terms, uh, you know, when we say somebody is, you know, has a sharp mind or is very sharp, you know, we're normally we're, you know, we're saying we're complimenting that person is very quick to notice, you know, react and, you know, very, um, that can be very good, but we, we also, uh, you know, encounter people who maybe are too quick to jump to conclusion and uh, make bad judgment. And uh, then, you know, because of that, that they, they can suffer from bad decisions. So that's how I see, like, the, the, it's damages to other people. But let's say, oh, the other example I would think of when somebody's very smart, very capable, that mm -hmm. person in the corporate world, I see a lot, like uh, working too hard because all the responsibility fall down on their shoulder and then they get burned out. Mm -hmm. So that's another example I can see that, you know, if you don't, you're not careful, you're not strike a balance, like work-life balance, you know, that kind of work style is not sustainable. Yeah, and, and there is sort of even almost, um, not always, but um, a certain amount of, of arrogance that's wrapped up in, in yeah. That, that. Yeah. That, that that sort of thinking is more important or contains more truth or that sort of thing. And, and then that can lead to beliefs like, oh, I'm, I'm the only one who can do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Or I think that kind of array also reminds me of certain self-righteousness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm yeah. the person, you know, I I know it all or I I'm right, you know, mm -hmm. you're wrong. I see the truth. Yeah. I see the truth. Yeah. Yeah, because we're um we're going to get into some more of of these and i think that's that's where there's still a lot more to discuss but um all these even the way that Lao Tzu writes it it really just trying to illustrate the ambiguity like don't just because something is sharp that doesn't necessarily equate with being extremely valuable or important Yes, especially if somebody goes overboard. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And Dow, where anything taken to its extreme becomes the opposite. Like you, you said, burnout. Burnout would be an example of taking it overboard. And yeah, and then what happens to that sharpness? Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I, I think a lot of times in the uh, you know executive coaching field or leadership development field. You know, there's a, this observation that, you know, overused strengths become your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And I can see that, you know, getting too sharp, <laughs> mm -hmm. it will hurt you and or hurt other people. 
yeah, I even think about some of the philosophers that I read and it's like, I love reading their stuff, but I think like, wow, they have really over esteemed their thoughts to the point where mm. they're kind of trapped by them and you can see it's created an extra amount of pain for them. Yeah, I see. I see. Yes, I can't imagine. Yeah. But in your in your world, you mainly see it in the workplace and and obviously that's the world that most people spend the vast majority of their waking time mm -hmm. time there. Mm-hmm. What's maybe a practical way? I'm just what we're going to take each one of these one at a time and explore some of the practical ways of mm -hmm. if we were going to use Dow in the workplace. If if some let's just say someone questioning their career and looking to kind of feel more at peace or aligned with Dow in mm. the workplace, what would you tell them are some things that they can do like Dow in here, rounding those edges? Yeah. I think in the corporate world, um, you know, it's always, you know, people are incentivized to show their uh, competence and uh, their contribution. Uh, which is, you know, which is good. That's the way how it works in the corporate world. But I would say, you know, balance that with some some kind of a consideration in terms of, um, um, you know, when you become too smart <laughs> or you get you can get very uptight. So people, when you get too uptight. Uh, it, you know, it, um, it causes anxiety on other people, you know, mm -hmm. during those meetings, you know, the chemistry is not there, you know, people, um, they start to, it's not a good way of disarm people. It's not disarming, I would say, mm -hmm. you know, actually a lot of the defense mechanism is a setup. So it's not good for communication. So I would say, you know, just be a little bit of uh, laid back. Uh, you know, can help actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can see that leaders. I think the leaders uh, who are more skilled leaders, uh, they kind of grow into that. You can feel their gravitas, but they don't they don't say that much. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes I think it's the rising uh, frontline managers or middle managers, uh, you know, especially, I mean, there are different personalities. I'm generalizing maybe a little bit that's are like a, like a barking dogs, you know, mm -hmm. but as getting higher, higher, um, you know, you develop the sort of the leadership presence, which I think is very like, much like the cuo qi rei. You know, it's more, all the rough edges are rounded and then you make people, when you talk to people, you know, you engage in a conversation that makes people comfortable, but at the same time, you get your messages across. That's really like a fine tune 
kind of balance that you see in some of the leaders, but not all of them. It, it even pulls in some of the first concept too, um, like Chong, but Yong Bu Bu Ying, like it, it's, it's, it makes space for everything. Yeah, um, yeah, I would, I would say that. Yeah, because they they realize, like for example, uh, one of the executives, you know, had who had years of uh, leading and uh, you know a uh, a multinational company, once shared a kind of insight, which something is something like this in organizations uh, when leaders at the very top when they make suggestions those suggestions become orders. So they become, they need to, then it's all get uh, amplified. So over the years, that leader learned that before he speaks, he needs to weigh, you know, is that necessary to say that? Mm -hmm. To say that thing, to make that mm -hmm. comment. And, and it's becoming less and more, you know. That connection between all, all of the Taoist concepts because there's there's Wu Wei in that too like a, a, act by not acting you know that restraint yeah 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 I think very um, wise leaders they over the years through their experiences they they kind of came to realize that kind of wisdom who's someone so um, I, actually I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna put this this question on pause and and maybe uh, you don't have to answer now i'm just going to put it out there just so that maybe you're thinking about it as we're talking these other ones but someone that you've met at in the workplace and you don't have to mention them by name unless you want want to but who you think embodies these four things that we're going to talk about the most someone who you've worked with and um you know any of your jobs or even not as a consultant, like it could be just in any context, but someone at an organization that you think best embodies these characteristics. And the, the next one is it, it unravels its knots. Um, Chia Chi Fin. So what are some maybe characteristics of, of that that we would see just in life in general. Yeah, I think the fen uh, in Chinese is a very uh, interesting word because there's a lot of phrases around that. Uh, again, it it just uh, uh, it, it just uh, conjured up uh, like images like messiness or confusion, division. You know, things are not in a kind of a in an orderly way, those kind mm -hmm. of things. Um, I think a lot of the I mean, we certainly we're in a kind of a world like this, right? Right at the moment, uh, mm -hmm. just so much so so chaotic and so much so many different things are kind of going on and very divi divisive. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's 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 interesting. Like, I see different versions to 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 interpret this. Like, you know, some people, some versions, like say, oh, you know, uh, we have lots of desires, 
put aside the society for a while, just look at ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in a very disorderly kind of in that that kind of consciousness, right? They're competing Mm -hmm. desires and we're thinking all the time. So how do you untie that knots? You know, we're just, you know, how can we free ourselves from all these so-called temptations? Mm-hmm. So then we get more centered and peaceful and grounded. Uh, so that's ourself. Then with the others, you see all these conflicts. Sometimes you get very, um, you have your own values and preferences. You want to jump in, you want to mm-hmm. add your opinion. But by adding them, are you making the situation worse? even though that you want to, mm-hmm. you know, express all mm-hmm. opinions. So those are all the kind of things. And I, I wonder about Jie uh, Qifen, what, what, you know, according to um, Lao Tzu here, I don't think he's saying that you're like, let's say, like a arbitrator, you know, trying to resolve solved, changed the world and solves the world problems. Mm. He probably has something else in mind, I think. And that's something else. Well, yeah, yeah. I think uh, in our, uh, you know, I think in, in the English speaking context, you know, I hear phrases, you know, leaders, they, uh, rise above the fray, that's a, a mm. phrase, rise above the fray, meaning <laughs> there is something very mm. difficult and, you know, uh, conflicting situation. So you don't get involved in that. So you, you you watch, you observe, and right? So you rise above the fray. It's not, I don't think it's like you are not, you, you don't care, but you choose, you make a deliberate uh you know, choice to not get, not to intervene or get too involved in it. So that's one thing I can think of. You know, there are other phrases like the, let the chips fall where they may, let the dust settle, or let nature run its course. I think all these sound to me like what's, what Lao Tzu is proposing here is untied, uh, I mean, the all the uh, how, how would you say all the knots or ten, you know, get don't get entangled. Even that reminds me of that very early on in the U.S. history. You know, I think in one of the um, uh, farewell addresses, George Washington said, you know, don't get too entangled in the uh, foreign, you know, foreign affairs in Europe. Mm-hmm. which created a tradition of kind of isolationist uh, policies for America. And, and Lao Tzu would say that, that would, those would be good things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't get too entrenched. I mean, he did, I mean, Washington, George Washington did say that you can build a temporary alliances, but again, there's a little balance there, but you don't, get stuck, you know, get sucked into that kind of thing. Yeah, don't get stuck. <laughs> don't get stuck, don't get sucked in. And it it's like, 
being able to see I mean we're really confused creatures on this planet mm -hmm. and when we start acting a lot of times we're acting out of our confusion yeah yeah that's true yes not so from clarity just, <laughs> right so then we're just adding more confusion to the world and because once we start acting we start creating relationships between ourselves and whatever we're acting on yeah if we're acting out of that ignorance or blindness or confusion now we're just binding ourselves more to whatever that thing is and so that's that other level of letting things settle it's like hey don't add to the confusion here just yeah. like sit back until you can see at least things have settled down enough to where there can be enough clarity to maybe act somehow exactly i think there's a in human nature there's such a tendency right mm -hmm. for whatever reason you know you you want to get involved to sometimes yeah i would say to to be helpful it's not always sometimes you want to you know, maybe take advantage of a situation. It's complex. I think mm -hmm. only the individual knows what exactly the intent. But some people, you know, sometimes it's, a, you know, maybe, you know, with a good intent. But, but it's like some, not. yeah. <laughs> yes, it's like it's like pulling on that string on your shoelaces because it it's not coming untied. And taking it and pulling it, sometimes that result, it's like, okay, now I've just made a knot so tight I can, I don't think I can get it undone without getting some scissors. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, uh, you know, like a recent example is about the, you know, um, you know, Biden, uh, you know, uh, about a month ago made a trip to, uh, you know, like uh, Asia Pacific. Right. Mm. So he made in a comment on the Taiwan issue because mm. to the Chinese government, you know, that strip, the strategic ambiguity is the foundation of the China U.S. relationship, you know, back mm -hmm. from days of Nixon. So now what, you know, really makes, uh, you know, the Chinese government pissed off is now that is changing, you know, like originally, you know, uh, basically, yeah, basically, you know, the message is the U.S. government just let Taiwan mm -hmm. and China just figure out by themselves instead mm -hmm. of getting involved. So yeah. that way, you know, it just, uh, yeah, kind of not to get involved in, in those kind of things. But if yeah, that thing it. is changing, is it going to make the world more complicated? I, I would think so, because... yeah. Right. So, so those, those are the kind of things I think leaders really have to be kind of careful, like, where do you draw the line in order to mm -hmm. uh, preserve that, you know, delegate, delegate a balance of power in things. And, and Lao Tzu believed that to the extent where I mean, he even said, you know, we should live in these small little 
towns where like, yeah, we're near other people, but like, we don't even, we don't necessarily even go and interact with them. Like we kind of leave them. Yeah. Leave them alone. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's getting harder and harder, uh, in the technologically connected world because, you know, things get known very quickly and everybody wants to add something to the conversation, I guess. Well, it makes something um, very kind of key, which is, again, we, we've we created out of all this order, out of all this rate. Yeah, yeah. We have, it, it's created the opposite, right? It's created all this chaos. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I guess we should probably move, move on because we still have two more yep. to discuss. And so... Mm-hmm. So har- harmony, it harmonizes its light or softens its light. Maybe even talk about that a little bit. How do you understand? So the use of he is usually like about harmony. How do you think it, what is the harmony in, in this concept and, and what is the light? Because both of those are kind of abstract. Just in yes, yes, yes. Uh, let me start with guang. Because Guang, uh, most of the time people will consider Guang, you know, this, you know, source of life, right? Source is source of energy, and then will uh, support life. Um, but I think it again, even for that, uh, I think the it becomes problematic when uh, that Guang is too. Gl- you know, it, it just mm. glares and it burns and it's too harsh and make mm. people feel comfortable, uh, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that? So you want to dim the light a little bit, like basically is to, I, I would say, yeah, kind of a harmonize or, um, or um, I guess sometimes, you know, I'm thinking, in human terms, uh, let's say you see people, I see a lot of people like in the corporate world, uh, you can see their talents, right? They are very talented, Mm. but they are helpful. But at the same time, they let their personalities kind of stand in the way of Mm. getting the message Mm. across. The message Mm. itself, the suggestions, Everything is very helpful, but for whatever reason, their personality just standing in the way of getting that mm-hmm. helpful message across. I find it. What are some ways that people do that? Maybe just so so people get get some ideas of what's in. The, what are some examples of your personality getting in the way? Well, if let's say at a at a at a team meeting, right? A uh, very uh, smart and capable engineer uh, will make some observation about a problem the team faces, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times uh, it, it ends up into, uh, and the engineer does have a point, but, you know, there's a saying, you know, make a point without making an enemy. For whatever reason, that tone you know, the way of, uh, the way of expressing that mm-hmm. opinion has an impact on people's emotions. 
So that's what I'm saying. That Guang and so it's glaring. That glare is actually the 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 harsh part, or maybe the create the discomfort part. Mm -hmm. So help people to see what's underlying that, and and don't just blind them with reason or talent or uh -huh. whatever those things are. And you know, I'm I'm imagining you'd have to do this a lot when you're doing executive coaching. Like you right. you see a problem very clearly, but you have to try to convey that message in a way that it will be received. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it starts with awareness. Some people, unfortunately, they are not even aware because they, when they express things, you know, it's more like uh, very habitual, you know. However they say things, they, you know, that's just a way of saying it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, unless they feel like it's not helping them, like be effective, sometimes if you point it out, they, 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 they get very defensive. They can say, oh, that's just the way I think about things. Yeah. Or don't, don't take it personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they will say, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to like uh, whitewash. I, I don't want to make something like pretty. You know, put the the lipsticks on the you know on the pig or something. Uh, yeah. So, so that makes it hard to kind of, uh, you know, to make some modification until that person, you know, really wants to see it and in, in the best interest of him or herself and also the team, uh, in modifying that. And, and it's interesting because it's like, obviously that implies a lot of humility, which is the fourth kind of, I mean, I want yeah. to hear the details, but it kind of makes me start thinking of this, um, this fourth concept around Tong Chi Chen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So about, I mean, I think really just focusing there, this is another one where there's a lot of ambiguity in how you yeah. translate it. Yeah. How would you tra translate it? I think the dust seem to be the, you know, mm -hmm. it's not a high in a very high glorified right. or lofty place. No, it is it, like it, dust. Humble, it, yeah. yeah, humble place. Uh, you know, I think as in the Bible, the Bible says like from the dust to the dust, right? Yeah. It's just, we're just dust. Yeah. Um, yeah, but acknowledge that, accepting. I think Tong Xi Chen means uh, you don't create a, a position for yourself and everybody, you are here, everybody else is there. They are in the dust, all right? So, uh, so that causes lots of maybe hard feelings, maybe animosity or resentment, right? People don't like, somebody like sees people standing there just from a, human psychology perspective. Mm -hmm. I would say, even say that at the very fundamental level, the ability to accept that our nature, you know, our nature, in our innate, you know, in our nature, we're really dust. I think that is a very, you know, realization of humility mm -hmm. too, right? 
So that kind of yeah, we, we don't have to take this stuff too seriously. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know that acknowledge the imperfection, right? The brokenness. I mean, a lot of the things we refuse to <laughs> to acknowledge yeah. as a part of human being human. Yes, and and again, just why I think Lao Tzu's philosophy still speaks to a lot of the truth of experience of you know when you really pursue the truth of existence and are looking for something but even though he doesn't leave us with certainty like mm. oh life is about this and we're this he he lets us stay in that place where life is a mystery but he also gives us ideas for navigating that experience that in my mind are still therapeutic and, and helpful. Yes, yes, yes. He doesn't leave us with nothing like a lot of philosophy does or with a set of rules which just kind of sucks the life out of existence. Yeah. 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 So may, maybe can you talk a little bit about this? Like here's these four concepts, but they're they're not roles. Like if we just make them like you you can't do it robotically. So you know, how are some ways that maybe in the moment we can use these as a whole to kind of navigate our life? Like we've looked at them individually now, how do they work work together? So it, across those four characteristics, uh, I would say the keywords that come to mind is number one, like humility, mm -hmm. uh, maybe humility, uh, maybe, um, let's see. Moderation. Mm -hmm. I think it reminds me of actually the three treasures. That's you know? what I was thinking. Yeah. Right. It's in a lot of ways it's interconnected with those attributes. Mm -hmm. It's almost like he, yeah. It's almost like he derived the three treasures later on by kind of reflecting on these are sort of the principles of observation that then derive the three treasures. So um, humble, obviously not putting yourself first, R rounding the sharpness is like moderation. Yeah. And the, the kindness piece is, you know, just kind of like once you recognize you don't have the truth, you're the small little creature. Yeah. And this, the kindness sort of then comes as a result of that reflection of like, okay, like I can just be more, um, well, just soft with, with people. Right, right, right. And the jie qi fen also reminds me of a little bit of a wu wei, right? Mm, wu wei. Yeah. And uh, be kind of a very plain and don't, in, 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 you know, like simplicity, like simplicity, right? Mm -hmm. Don't get over, don't get, complicate make things more complicated 
so it, really what I'm hearing you say is that for in, in a lot of ways, if we can look at this chapter as Wu Wei and the Three Treasures. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's helpful because, again, we have this kind of, then the simplistic way of being in the world, it, it's not easy, but we do need something simplistic that we can rely upon so that we're not just adding more confusion to our lives. Yeah, yeah. The other thought I have is, in order to cultivate, because sometimes, you know, we humans tend to, in order to cultivate those qualities, I think we tend to maybe put on the the behavior, external kind of behavior. So I was mm -hmm. wondering, it's really like a an inner journey, an inside job. Uh, yeah. Fundamentally, we appreciate, you know, how you know, Tao works, and then those kind of behaviors like get manifested, because otherwise, it can those behaviors can be, you know, because I know, uh, yeah. in discussion of Laozi in, in the Chinese context, some people say, Oh, that's just like, uh, you know, becoming strategic, or becoming mm -hmm. calculated, mm -hmm. you know, everything we, we just put on a, that appearance, like say, in China, uh, um, can be a behavior that uh, you don't want to communicate very transparently. Mm -hmm. Because that seems to be more like a deceptive behavior. Mm. You see what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. really, how you, how it's being used? What it, what is that intent? Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? That where does that? What is the the really the source of that behavior? I think it's important. For sure, and I think that that's the that's the piece that that Lao Tzu still left clear is that you know if if we're if we're not putting ourselves first and being kind, then deception really isn't even part of the equation yeah yeah so we would have to forget for it to be deceptive we would have to forget not putting ourselves first and so that's what we're, we're not trying to do that and then being kind to others and obviously de deceiving other people isn't being kind to them so it also implies making it clear that we're not separate. Like we're, we're working as a node in this human relationship net. And, you know, ultimately, I mean, imagine if 8 billion people were existing that way, you know, not as individuals, but as a network of nodes in this fabric that is necessary to, to remain that way, to stay intact, to not fray. And I think that's what we're seeing, the end result of too much, um, Ray, too much technology, the sharpness of knowledge. Mm. The end result is that there's too much individualism and individual thinking. And so 
that fabric, that 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 quilt that would have come from eight billion people all connected, has become this disaster that we just see out in the world each day. Mm, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that gets to the core of the a lot of the challenges we face nowadays. And so, you know, help people maybe if that feels too overwhelming, how the gap between humanity being meant to be really connected with each other, where we're not thinking of ourselves as individuals, but a part of the human race or the human species and what we have today, which is you know, we've been atomized and turned into cogs and mm -hmm. an economic system, you know, how can you help people with, say, some things to um, kind of navigate that situation that we're in? Being quiet, I would say. Spend more time uh, with ourselves um, to understand ourselves. I feel it's the key because sometimes after being a quiet, quiet and go deeper a while, I feel myself like being more friend, like friendlier, friendlier with other people. Mm. If I just get so wrapped up in the, in the world and trying to connect and trying to do things, uh, I think it, 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 for whatever reason, maybe the vibe of the world or the dynamics of the world make me feel more desperate. Mm -hmm. I sort of sometimes I feel like I have to kind of retreat into my, you know, just like looking at myself quietly. Mm -hmm. And with that understanding and I go out and connect with other people, I have a better chance of seeing them in a different way because otherwise I'm condi I feel I'm if I if I'm in the world uh, always mm -hmm. I feel I'm conditioned. Mm -hmm. I have a certain instinct. Like if somebody says something, you know, I would do something. Just just just. Mm -hmm. It's just like a gravity, you know, in in a lot of ways. There's yeah. one action, and there there's the reaction that I even know that I that will happen to me. No, it makes perfect sense. So it's, I want to break. I want to break from that gravity yeah. in some way. How do I do yeah. that? You know, I find sometimes just uh, spending, you know, time, just be be quiet. Mm -hmm. Like be more uh, accepting. Like, I mean, be more compassionate with myself. Uh, looking at the different pieces in me and, you know, reconcile or making it all coming together, good or bad or something, you know, th that kind of process helps. Yeah, really hearing how important it is to, to look deeply, to ref reflect deeply and not reflecting in a way that just leads to 
increasing the selfishness, like not a way of like, oh, you know, I, I want to, I want to be famous or get this position. So let me like strategize my next part of the plan. Not that kind of thinking. Uh, it's a different way of being. It is. It is. Enough. Yeah. I would say. You know, recently I, I, I've been listening to some of the past uh, talks by, you know, Krishna Kurdi. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I think I remember in one of the conversations, he made a, distingu uh, a, a distinction between our uh, sort of our brains and the mind. Uh, yeah. So the thought is part of the brain. But the mind is more like uh, that kind of con consciousness which has no limit. So yes. uh, as long as our brains and are noisy with lots of thoughts, uh, that real contact with the mind, I mean, with the cosmic, maybe cosmic mm -hmm. mind, I mean, the, mm -hmm. the, that larger con unconditioned consciousness will yeah. never happen. Then we're just like, it's all kinds of movements, you know, in the brain. Mm -hmm. I like to call that part, um, not in a, like a, not in a supernatural way, but that part of ourselves, our spirit, that yeah. our, our yeah. spirit, that unconditioned, yeah. that really is where our vitality is, where our, um, you know, that, that, that part of us that isn't historical, Right. It's not like a accumulation of memories, right? Memories of our, you know, of our nations, race, cultures. Mm -hmm. I mean, all these are memories, uh, you know, mm -hmm. according to him, like, we're basically, <laughs> they're Robots. like a container. All the thoughts are derived from there. Yeah. And that's why when, when we talk about people being robotic or conditioned, it's it's when people are functioning just based upon all of that programming. I'm I'm an American from this town. My name is this. I have this education. Here's my resume. It's like that's the dead part of people. That's the conditioned part of people. And what Krishnamurti and and Lautza and these people are saying is like, no, there's this timeless part of yourself that I call our spirit that doesn't have anything to do with all that conditioning. Yeah, yeah. So that timeless part is the, I think is the where, you know, <clears throat> it starts to emerge uh, during our quiet moments. Yeah. I feel like um, only when that timeless part grows in me, then I can uh, be transformed into another kind of being, which allows me to interact in a different way. That's part yes. of the reason why I don't want to, you know, I, I want to, I still want to operate, uh, you know, partially in the, in the, in the, in, in time. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. there are bills to pay work to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I want to spend like, even when I do that, uh, mm -hmm. 
I think mm -hmm. the two rituals I'm trying to cultivate, one is to carve out the time. So I, I'd be really quiet so that I can strengthen that muscle, right? That mm -hmm. timeless muscle. The other thing is kind of realize at the moment of my action, I mean, when I live in time, that timeless part, I do not just like, you know, uh, mm -hmm. put behind me. Right. I incorporate that in the time of my activity. Yes. Knowing, knowing that, yes, we need that conditioned part of ourselves to navigate the system, but, but what happens before we get in touch with this other part of ourselves, we believe that that system out, that conditioned system mm -hmm. is life itself. And it's not. It's the opposite of life itself. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, um, you know, if there's anything that that's kind of what I'm experiencing, you know. And I, I you know, I, I think that I find it helps myself to be um, at least, let's say, you know, less less insane, <laughs> less, less yeah. anxious. Yes, for sure. Because yes, it, it's, it can be kind of a maddening experience trying to reconcile those two worlds because it can feel so overwhelming, just even the process of awakening to that part of ourselves. And it can feel even more maddening when you really accept the, the the truth of that being and then trying to figure out, okay, well, I still have to interact with this conditioned world that sits out there and doing it with grace. And that's where the things that we talked about today can help people to do that. Exactly. I totally agree. Well, David, I appreciate all of your thoughts and, and insights on chapter four, and we'll be looking forward to hearing from our listeners. Anyone who wants to reach out to us can always do so at walkingthetimelessway.com. Until next time, take care.